What's going on, fellas? Rob Carbone. You're listening to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis than by tuning into this podcast right here, right now. Let's go. What is going on, guys? What's going on? Rob Carbone here with BD4, episode 44. We are coming off a good win tonight um, for the Knickerbockers. Um, especially, you know, especially the way Saturday finished up, you know, where they, they played so well um, against the Charlotte Hornets at Madison Square Garden and... They just couldn't finish it off there, right? They had the ball moving. They had the zone defense working for a little bit. Um, then, you know, the Hornets kind of turned it on in that second half, and they kind of countered with the zone defense themselves, um, which, you know, kind of got them into a little bit of a rhythm. I think they hit six three-pointers in that third quarter on Saturday night. You know, the Knicks were just doing a bad job of closing out, like I said, heading into the game. They had they have done a terrible job on closeouts on their three-point attempts. And that was the issue for a while. So they came back and they tied the game up. I think they even took the lead in the fourth quarter to start before Mitchell Robinson started eating on the glass and just putting it back. And Mitch got hurt that game too. Sprained his ankle. But he did, you know, hit a big shot while hurt with about 640 to play, put the Knicks back up comfortably 88-80 to 80 at the time. But then as soon as he left that game, the Knicks gave up, what was it, eight consecutive, seven consecutive points on the interior? A couple of drives, a couple of free throws made, and you know they allowed Charlotte to get right back in it. And then before you knew it, it was you know, the, the, uh, the shot heard around the world <laughs> where Devontae Graham, you know, Hits that dagger at the top of the arc, and the Knicks lose one hundred three to one hundred two because Fisdale can't draw up a play, right? So, so who's the name? What's the the coach's name for Charlotte? I think it's Borrega or something. He draws up a misdirection for Graham, um, and he loses Nilakina. Graham cuts at the top of the arc, a misdirection cut, and he loses Frank. Frank does a nice job recovering, getting a hand up, but. Wasn't enough. Graham hits the three, and the Hornets take a 103 to 102 lead with two seconds to play. Great, great uh, play calling there from uh, Borrega. I don't know how to say his name. I think that's it. But excellent play calling. But to respond, the Knicks, <laughs> it was just a mess. It was the most David Fizdale play call you could ever have. <laughs> um, he draws up, he designs a play for, for Julius Randle at the top of the three-point arc. And Randall ends up 
taking a couple dribbles in, fading away, and he might have even airballed if I can remember, but the shot didn't even go in, and it didn't even get off in time. He never even got the shot off in time. It was a mess. Um, lots of questions there. Why is you know Marcus Morris inbounding the ball there? <laughs> one of their better scorers. Why is R.J. Barrett not even on the floor there? One of their better scorers. I don't know. I don't know. You had a cold Wayne Allenkin out there, maybe as a decoy, but okay, why don't you have either, even just one of Morris or Barrett? I would have lived and died with Barrett taking and missing that last shot because I knew it was the right play. Let this kid, you know, learn and experience those moments. But no, we had to go to Randall, who just jacked up a heave, which wasn't even close. And that just made me so frustrated because, you know, a simple, you know, play to anybody else could have at least made me, you know, somewhat satisfied with Fizdale there. But no, there's nothing really drawn up. He just goes to Randall and uh, it doesn't pay off. But we're going to put that one in the past because the Knicks responded tonight with a very well-played game against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, now, listen, this was no you know, momentum shifter because it's the Cavs. And not only is it the Cavs, they had no Kevin Love. They had no Larry Nance Jr. So it was pretty much not that impressive. But, you know, you still like to see it being that it was a wire-to-wire victory. The Knicks led by as many as what, 24, 25 points at one point before they let their foot off the gas in the final six minutes, um, as usual. Um, but no, it was a great, well-played game for the box tonight. They uh, Listen, they kept the turnovers at a minimum. They only had seven turnovers tonight. That was key. Very key. That might have been a season best. Only seven turnovers. Um, the ball was just moving around. Only 17 assists, but the Knicks weren't necessarily making all of their shots. It was just... Much better ball movement. Backdoor cuts were being ran, you know. Defense was sharp on the interior, very sharp on the interior. We'll get to the three-point shooting later, but the effort was there, and that's what you wanted to see. Julius Randle led the team tonight. He he had his breakout game as a Nick. Well, hopefully his, you know, game to, to where he starts to find a hot streak now. now. <clears throat> but Randle scored 30 points tonight. Came out of the gate strong with 15 of those points in the first quarter. Finished up 12 out of 17. Efficient. Um, seven boards, four assists, and just one turnover. What I saw from Randall tonight was a guy who was playing to his potential. He was a guy who played smart basketball instead of, you know, just hard basketball. It's nice to play hard, but it's also nice to play smart. you got to be able to do both. And Randall played smart ball tonight. He didn't force anything. He wasn't excessively using the iso ball. He was playing within the rhythm of the offense, taking shots within the flow of the offense. You know, some of his baskets were assisted, which was nice to see. So he played smart ball tonight, and that's why the Knicks won, because of Randall putting the team on his back for a little bit. And when I say that, I mean honestly putting him on, the back, on his back for a bit because, you know, nobody else showed up. Nobody else was, not that nobody else showed up, but nobody else was really clicking until that second half. Um, it was pretty much, for a while, it was Randall. You know, and that's kind of how things got dicey in the second quarter. When, you know, Randall was out of the game, couldn't really get scoring. But in that second quarter, it was Frank Nielakina keeping the Knicks afloat with four of his six assists. And, um, but, you know, it started. we started to get more people chiming in. 
um, come the second half. R.J. Barrett dropped 12 of his 15 points in that second half. Marcus Morris scored a bulk of his 23 points in that second half. Mitch started turning it up in that second half, finished with seven points, eight boards, and four blocks. And it was a nice game. It was just a nice all-around game. Um, being able to hold to, to, to respond, not only responding to uh, to that Charlotte loss on Saturday, but just responding to what Cleveland did to us on our home floor, you know, just seven or eight days ago, where they obliterated the hell out of us. So it was a nice response victory in that sense as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, one, if tonight tells you one thing, it's just when you play clean, fundamental, you know, smart basketball, you win games or you're at least in games. And that's not what the Knicks have done for a while this season. But I'd say for about three games in a row now, the Knicks have played the type of basketball that you were hoping to get this season, where they're not only competing, but they're, you know, doing the right things out on the floor. They're not making the same mistakes over and over and over. They're correcting their mistakes. They're, you know, just being smart out there. They're being very smart. So, three. I call it a three-game playing well streak, okay? Because that's that's all we have in this town right now, a three-game playing well streak. But, yeah, no, it, it was nice. We got a nice game tonight. Um, I like this. I like the the chemistry that I see developing with. I see a nice chemistry with Frank and Taj. Now, Taj Gibson has been starting lately. Maybe it's because they're trying to ease Mitch back into the uh, back into the rotation after being hurt in a couple injuries lately. Maybe that's it. But I eventually, you know, you want to see Mitch get some starts because that's who he is. That's who he's going to be. He's the face of this franchise. So he's going to have to start eventually. I don't like him off the bench. But for right now, I guess we'll take it because Taj Gibson is playing well. And like I said, I see some chemistry here with him and Frank playing very nice together. They've run a couple um, pick and pops. They've run the pick and roll a couple times. You know, it's a good balance to have when they're both on the floor together where Taj can stretch the floor a little bit and Frank can, he, he plays well off the pick, whether that be the pop or, you know, the pick and dive. But um, yeah, I like that chemistry I see developing. I also like the fact that Damian Dotson is back into this rotation, right? It seemed at the start of the year, he wasn't really getting much run. Um, a lot of that, a lot of his minutes went to Wayne Ellington and to Alonzo Trier, who's probably, I don't know, I'm starting to think he's he's not going to have a place on this team for long. He's, he's not getting minutes, um, and Damian Dotson's taking him. And to his credit, Dotson's playing pretty well. Tonight, he scored 11 points. Took 10 shots to get those points, but he did play well. I mean, he played competitively as always. That's the big thing about Dotson. He's going to give you 110% on each end of the floor. He's a great, um, a very solid 3 and D player for the Knicks. So I think he's kind of, you know, under the radar a little bit. He's a he's a very you know, quality player in this core that the Knicks have. People want to talk about RJ, Mitch, you know, Knox, Frank. Doc could be included in that too. Now, I'm not saying he's no star. He's not going to come out to be an all-star player that I think Robinson and Barrett can be, but I think Dotson could be a very effective player on an NBA team, especially in this era. As a guy who can hit the three, as a guy who can play perimeter defense and do his, you know, hold his own. So I like that he's finally getting some minutes here, and I think Fisdale, you know, overall has found a set rotation of about 10 guys who he knows he's going to play. 
Um, like I said, Trier is probably not a part of that consistently. It's probably going to be what we've seen the last two or three games. And it's good. I like it. I don't hate it. It's 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 much better than just playing musical chairs every other game, which is what he's you know known for doing so far in his Nick tenure, Fizdale. So it's nice to see some kind of set rotation. It's like it reminds me of like the lineups in baseball with Aaron Boone flip flopping people every single friggin' day, and I hate that. How I hate that. Well, Fizdale used to do that all the time, and now it seems lately he's finally found some kind of steadiness to this rotation where he's going to stick with the same couple of guys or same 10 guys in that sense. So that's nice to see. Um, What else do I want to talk about? It's just nice to see Mitch, especially two games ago, stay out on the floor. That's going to be the big thing with him, his production. His production is so much. He's so productive for this team. I don't think a lot of people realize it because it's, it's his minutes that that kind of diminish his effect. But when he's out on the floor, I tell you, man, this Knicks team is so much better. They're better at protecting the rim. They're better on the offensive glass. And they're so efficient offensively because he can get those, you know, he he cleans up the mess and puts them back with easy layups because he's got such soft hands. He can catch the lob. He's a good dive man on the pick and roll. He's so effective for this team. So all it is with him, it's two things. Avoid foul trouble. You know, be re- be less reckless out there, especially when per- uh, when perimeter defending. But avoid foul trouble, and stay healthy, man. You have to stay healthy. He gets hurt a lot. He's not the most durable player. You know, when you look at a guy with his frame, you know it's it's understandable how he gets hurt a lot, and how he's not on that floor for thirty plus minutes. But I looked into something. I was on Basketball Reference the other day. And I double-checked tonight to make sure it was updated. And so in, in the 18 games where he's gotten 25 minutes in his career, at least 25 minutes, he's averaging a double-double. So he's averaging a double-double through 18 games where he's played at least 25 minutes. That's only 25 minutes. Could you guys imagine if he could finally you know, manage to give the Knicks 30 to 35 minutes? Yeah. If he's giving you a double-double in 25 minutes... Give this guy, you know, t- 10, 10 more minutes out there. And he, I'm telling you, he, he he's a perennial, not just defensive player of the year candidate, but he's a perennial all-star candidate. He's got to find a way to stay on that floor. The Knicks are so much better. And it's not just about individual Mitchell Robinson. It's about the Knicks. You know, when Mitchell Robinson is on that floor, the Knicks are so much better just because of his presence. Shot blocker, shot alterer, great offensive rebounding. Um, and a great, great offensive rebounder and a great pick and roll, you know, dive man. He's just got to stay on there on that floor. That's it. That's the last thing with him. But yeah, nice to see the Knicks playing well lately. They're moving the ball. They're playing good defense. They're just playing with a sense of urgency, which is what you need to see every single game from a, you know, from a rebuilding club. When you're not going to win many games, you better damn well put in an effort every single one of those games. And if you can do that, you might find yourself, you know, on the upside of 30 wins. That's what I want to see from them. As I've said, all off season, as I've said, all season so far, if this team plays hard every single night, there is no reason they should win, uh, win. They should, there is no reason they should win less than 30 games. 
with the unorthodox, unbalanced roster, I understand that they're not going to win many games, but 30 isn't many, guys. 30 is 30. Okay. But there's no excuse to me um, if the Knicks give you know a big-time effort every game. There's no excuse to lose um, the amount of games they lost last year. Okay? But, yeah. So it's it's just going to come down to that, guys. It's just come down to giving a hard effort every single night. And Coach Fizdale is going to have to get on his team for that because it can't just be three games we'll play hard and then the next three will be lackadaisical, which is what we've seen. But the one thing I don't like, despite the Knicks playing very, very well the last few games, the one thing I do not like is they are still having a hard time defending that three-point shot. Now, again, part of that is because of this roster. We're, we're uh, constructed. The way we're constructed, we have a bunch of bigs who can't move around very well on the perimeter. But at the same time, you've got to find a way to, to, to limit what we're giving up right now. Because the last two games, teams are 34 for 84 beyond the arc. That's 40%. And what's 34 divided by 2 is what? 17 so last two games, teams are hitting that many threes on us at a clip of 40%. We got to cut that down. Like I said, we've got to be better on closeouts. We've got to be better fighting over the screen. It's, got, it's, not, it's not an effort thing right now, but it's more of just playing smart. Too much focused on the perimeter and not as much focus on the three-point line, which is not good in today's era. You've got to be able to protect that three ball, especially with the teams we've got coming up. Folks, we got a month, about a month, I'd say a month of really, really tough teams ahead of us. So, you know, there's a chance where if we don't play smart and if we don't play hard, it could get ugly. Philly coming up to, uh, not tomorrow, on Wednesday. They're eight and five. They're not necessarily a three point shooting offense. They're not necessarily a great offense, at least so far. They're pretty average offensively, but their defense, it locks down. They're top 10 in steals, blocks, and opponent points allowed. So the Knicks are going to have a tough task if they can't continue sharing the ball and you know continue moving around without the ball. But that's pretty much all I got. Going to end this one there. Nice to see the Knicks playing well again. Um, if you want to count this as a, you know somewhat of a positive they are now two and one in their last three games okay so hey we keep playing hard we might find ourselves doing better than you know than we've been lately heading into to lately all right guys thanks so much for stopping by this has been rob carbone on bd4 episode 44 i'm signing out ciao